This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's the show that goes around the horn with your Minnesota Twins, with insight from the decision makers in the dugout and in the front office. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Welcome to Inside Twins. It's brought to you once again by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Welcome inside the visiting manager's office, inside the visiting clubhouse here in Cleveland. Twins and the Guardians wrapping up the series uh, later on today. Rubber game, in fact, coming up. It'll be Joe Ryan on the mound today for the Twins and Cal Quantrill opposing for Cleveland. I'm Corey Provis, and our guest on our Sunday show, always a treat to be joined by the manager of the Minnesota Twins, that is Rocco Baldelli. And Rock, thanks for your time once again on this Sunday morning. Uh, good to be here, Corey. This is the Sunday morning show is one of my favorite shows to get an actual, you know, in-depth conversation. We get to chat a little bit, so it's uh, good to be here. All right, let's uh, start, if we can, by going back to yesterday. And uh, I'm wondering, you were ejected from the game rather early in the ball game. When that happens, what do you do and where do you go? Well, that's a good question because I think every every manager might handle that a little bit uh, differently. I, uh, I kind of wander around for a little while because normally I'm not in the best of moods after the uh, ejection. So uh, I come in, I come to my office, I probably throw my hat on the table, uh, I have the TV on, so the game's on all the different televisions uh, all around the clubhouse. I made my way down uh, into the weight room after I vented a little bit upstairs and uh, was able to watch the game in there. So you end up with Buck on the elliptical machine staying loose. You know, Carlos comes in. He's on the physio ball during the game moving around. We have our strength coaches in there uh, getting a little work done. And then there's me bouncing the uh, little lacrosse ball against the wall for, you know, six innings. Um, But I do get a chance to talk to Pete Mackey during the game. He might pop in and, uh, you know, you know, chat about a couple of things that are going on out on the field. Um, obviously, I can't be in the dugout or anything like that. So basically, I uh, I watch and uh, contribute some to, to some of the thought process of what's going on and pull for the guys. So you can still help out in terms of bullpen pitching changes that may be happening or, you know, Joey Gallo is going to pinch it. Alex Kirloff is going to pinch it. Do you still have some input when those decisions pop up? Sure, I have some, but um, you know, Jace is going to. Ma- There's a lot of different decisions that have to be made very quickly during the game, and Jace is going to handle those uh, out there in the dugout the vast majority of the time. Um, some of the pitching stuff, uh, you know, you have a little more time to get ahead of, prepare for, discuss different potential uh, situations or scenarios, um, and then Pete can go back out there, and then he and Jace can uh, can make it work. You know, kind of off topic here a little bit, but yesterday was a unique day. Uh, People may know this, they may not about you. You love horse racing. So at the point of your ejection, did that coincide with the start of the Kentucky Derby? It it absolutely did not. It did not. So, um, 
No, no. I, I, I watched a few of those races earlier in the day. Um, I've always followed the uh, the horses, but I really love the horses themselves. You know, going to the races uh, is fun, but that's not exactly my favorite thing to do. I love actually going to the farms. I love seeing the, uh, the breeding operations and the stallions and all the mares that are out there and all the foals that are, that are running around. And, you know, the, the confirmation of the animals and the pedigrees of the animals has always been intriguing to me and just how all of that comes together and works. So the, the Kentucky Derby is kind of the culmination for a lot of the uh, – uh, you know, the, the casual fans and, and the people that are in the industry uh, in a big way, too. It all comes together in, in a fun way, and it's, it's a great day to bring, uh, you know, the, the whole horse racing community uh, in one spot. Have you had a chance yet to visit Canterbury at all, either on an off day or maybe after the season, uh, maybe a slow spot during the summer? Have you visited Canterbury yet? I have not, I have not gotten up there yet. I actually would, would love to go check it out. Um, we don't have a ton of time normally to go do that, and now uh, with, my, with my wife and baby, at home and and you know chasing the little one around all the time it's a little harder to get those free days to run but uh canterbury sounds uh, amazing and i know a lot of people enjoy it getting back to uh the team here uh the twins won the first game here on friday cleveland won by one last night you look at the offense for this weekend it's been all via the home run and you look at where the team ranks rock in terms of home runs near the top in the american league once again too reliant, though, on the home run ball. Would you like to see that balance out a little bit more offensively? Well, it always feels better to have some sort of balance. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm right there on that train as well. But um, sometimes you have to find ways to win. And if, if you're going to be a team that does hit the ball over the fence, that's not a bad thing to actually, you know, have in, in your in your toolbox and uh you know we'll we'll take it but when you're not actually doing it, it it feels like um you know you're just struggling to get anything going you know you're unable to string together good innings and it, one thing that you do like whether or not you're getting two three four five hits in a row um, which we haven't done a ton of this year what you want to do is make the pitcher work a little bit for what he's doing you know going out there and and having the fast innings I'm more worried about going out there and just letting the other side throw five six seven pitch innings than I am being reliant on the home run I'm good hitting a bunch of home runs that's fine if we're going to score most of our, our runs on homers I think you can win a lot of games doing that but uh, I do think the the competitiveness of the at-bats and the consistency of those at-bats uh, that we have does matter um, because I, I do think it helps uh, in a lot of indirect ways towards winning games. A couple things to break down with that answer. First, that on your mind is quick innings offensively, six, seven, eight pitch inning for the opposing pitcher. Part of your concern with that, how much of that shifts to the impact that will have on your own starter, that he does not have enough time physically to regroup and get set for the next half inning? That's a big thing that, that I'm thinking about. It's it's not, it's it's definitely, it's probably half of what I'm thinking about, to be honest. And um you know, that was one of the things with the new rules and, and when everything was put into place that we noticed right away was um, the innings sometimes can be so quick because the, the pitcher gets right on the mound, he makes a pitch, he throws a strike, he throws another strike, a ball gets put in play, there's an out, you're, you're 40 seconds into the inning, you have an out, uh, you're three minutes into the inning and it's over. And uh, it's very difficult on the opposing team starter when your team can go out there and, and get quick outs, quick outs, quick outs. So um, we encourage our guys to get on the mound, throw strikes and, and get ahead early and, and let them uh, let them try to put the ball in play early in the count. Be in the zone um, because we know that the, there is a difficulty on the other side of that. And over the, the course of a game, you can really wear out 
uh, a different, you know, the other pitcher by just forcing him back on the mound. He barely sits down. He makes his last pitch of the inning. He sits down in the dugout, and he's up and back on the other mound within a couple of minutes. Uh, definitely a new um, kind of variation of our game, and, and kind of uh, it's affecting our game in some ways. And you got to use it to your advantage. Getting back to the offensive approach, if you isolate just this road trip alone, five games in, the team is averaging fewer than four runs per game. With that being said, the guys are running a little bit more. We've seen the stolen bases climb a little bit here this week. Part of that, while the big hits haven't been there, the crooked numbers, have you been given more green lights to guys or maybe calling for some more hit and runs than you were earlier in the year? So I, I, I want to give you something fun and, and an actual, like a legitimate response here, but the, the legitimate response has to be truthful. I've probably given the green light the same amount this week as I have earlier in the year. And just situationally, just the, the you know, the pitchers uh, on the mound and how quick they are to the plate, things like that, have really, uh, they, they really affect how much we're going to run. Uh, one thing, Willie Castro's been in the lineup a little bit more. He's been on base or, or pinch running a little bit more. He can run. He can steal a base. And uh, I like giving him the green light along with Michael Taylor and Buck and, and uh, Nick Gordon and some of these guys. So we have some guys that do get the green light uh, a fair amount. But, um, you know, early on in the year, we just weren't able to steal those bases. I think we're stealing a few more now, and it does feel good. We'll take our first break on our Sunday show. When we come back, I want to dive into something that happened with Sonny Gray in the, in the long fourth inning yesterday, and he wasn't alone. Also this week, we've seen some Twins pitchers uh, be, be caught with the uh, pitch time violation, so we'll dive into that with Rocco and also talk about extra inning baseball. That and much more coming up with Rocco Baldelli. It's Inside Twins, brought to you by Killer Brew Root Beer, and our Sunday show continues next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis back with Rocco Baldelli here in Cleveland. And Rock, yesterday, Sonny Gray had his worst inning of the year. A guy that's been so good, so consistent, just lost it for one inning. And he was caught twice, in fact, in the fourth inning yesterday as taking too much time and automatic balls were called on Sonny. And not just Gray yesterday, but Rock, have you noticed an uptick? here the last week 10 days or so that some of your pitchers are getting caught using too much time I think so and um, it's something that you know we can't let happen because those pitches do matter a lot we, we know over the course of a long season you're going to get popped a few times um, sometimes it's actually mechanical error sometimes the communication between the guy upstairs and and the field isn't ideal and you end up in some weird it could be there could be a hundred reasons why this happens but yesterday I think we just got caught uh being late and um you know it's something that I think our pitchers all can look at and and take something from and learn from being behind in the count right off the bat is certainly not uh not going to help you in any way there's no real reason for it except when things start happening fast on the field um, you need a little more time you've thrown a bunch of pitches you're trying to take every second you can but if you're not fully aware of what's going on with that pitch clock, uh, you can get caught uh, getting bald. And I'm guessing that you try to find some ways around that and mound visits. Is that is that probably the easiest? You have five of them per game that maybe if things are going fast and you don't want to have that pitch time violation that Jeffers or Vasquez go out and use up a mound visit or two? Yeah, uh, I I would guess that we use a fair amount of mound visits compared to the rest of the league in situations like that. I, it's something I, I believe in. When things aren't going smoothly for a pitcher, whether it's a pitch clock issue or, or it could be any type of issue, 
Um, you know, you do you pick your moments to let them work through some of these things. But I really do think you actually can just walk on out there. And normally it's Pete Mackey going out there or one of our catchers going out there. But giving your pitcher a period of time to regroup, giving him a period of time to to breathe a little bit, um, reset him a little bit. Sometimes he's just making bad pitches and you want to just go out there and let a guy um, – uh, just like look at someone else, take his mind off of the last couple of pitches that he threw uh, and let him regroup. I, I also believe it's a good thing to uh, give guys a, a second to reset when the biggest moments of the game are actually coming up. Allowing them to refocus, I think, is important. So we use mound visits in a lot of ways, but I think this way when the, when the pitch clock is starting to become an issue and it's running down late, I think we should use some visits. It hasn't just been all pitchers on this uh, road trip, the last you know stretch of games here. Some of the batters also have been dinged for a quick strike. If it's happening to a batter, how come? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I think sometimes as a hitter, if you just take a, a moment to step out, look at your bat, take one deep breath, get back in the box. You have to you have to do that, you know, snap your fingers, bam, 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 and get it done quickly, especially in the middle of an at-bat. Um, so I, I can see how this could happen. I mean, anyone can imagine, like, if you're not you're not focusing just on the pitch clock, you're focusing on your at-bat, you're focusing on the swing you want to take, you're focusing on what this pitcher might throw. There's a lot of things on your mind when you're walking out there. And, you know, as a pitcher, you're out there all the time. You get in a rhythm, you kind of understand what that feels like to get in the box. As a hitter, you know, you're kind of walking up there only a few times a game. And I could, I can really see how if you just take one extra deep breath and get back in the box and it's down to seven, you can get dinged. So uh, it, it's not uh, something that I think we're ever going to totally get rid of, but it's something that I think as time goes on, we'll see fewer and fewer of. I want to shift the conversation now to extra inning baseball. The Twins have played a couple of those here this week. And in terms of how fast the games are going nowadays, uh, averaging about two and a half. I'm um, at 238, 240 per game now has been the norm throughout baseball. Have I mentioned that I'm okay with playing two and a half hour games? I think you are. I think I think all of us are. But I'm wondering now with extra inning games, if you would like to see the game play out a bit longer before you go to the runner at second base starting the 10th inning, maybe another inning or two to play it out considering games are taking shorter amount of time. If you'd be in favor of playing maybe an inning or two longer with just playing it out without the lead man at second. I would say this as in, in my role with all the new rules coming out, you have to be generally fine with whatever these rules are. Cause you have to live with them. If you're going to be angry about them or frustrated by them, uh, you're, you're not going to end up managing well in those situations, I think. But I would say, um, if, if the league looked at us and said, hey, we're going to play one inning, we're going to play two innings without putting the runner on second base, I would be perfectly fine with that. I think that would work fine. Um, but these games would end up going longer. And, and additionally, um, the pitchers, you're going to end up using significantly more pitchers. And I think there's a balance here because this, is, this might sound complicated, but other rules have changed in our game. We can make fewer roster moves in our game. There's limited options for, for relievers right now in our game, or anyone, but the relievers get hit by that rule way more than anyone else. So, you know, with this uh, extra inning rule, it actually helps us in a lot of ways. So when the game ends after one or two of those extra innings, 
it's way easier for us to continue playing baseball without actually having to make a transaction or two every time we play an extra inning ball game because the league knows that they understand that that's the way that we operate we have to have a we can't have a bullpen that's completely spent and those extra inning games especially the ones that go 13 14 15 innings we end up coming out of it having to change a third of our bullpen because it's the only way to survive. It's not the uh, you know the most exciting on-field thing going on in the world, but I do think that the, the having the guy at second base shortening the game a little bit, uh, putting runners in scoring position does help us. You know, go back to Thursday in the 12-inning game against the White Sox. As that game got through 10, 11, on to 12, in your mind, are you already thinking about Friday, thinking about we're going to need a fresh arm or two, even though this game is not yet concluded before the series in Cleveland even begins? Well, I'll tell you this. I'm not spending too much time thinking about that, but of course I'm, I know that. I'm, it's, it's definitely something that I probably look to, to Pete or to uh, Jace next to me, and I go, yeah, we're at the point we're probably going to need – we're going to need someone, uh, you know, when we get back for the next, uh, next game. That, that's the extent of how much energy I'm putting into it because really I'm focusing on what's going on in the game. Um, and if, you, if you're if spending too much uh, of your time worrying about tomorrow or the next day, uh, you'll lose some focus. So I, I like to just focus on winning the ball game at hand. We'll take our last break, come back, and wrap up the show and talk about Alex Kirilov a little bit, who is back with the Twins. So we'll come back and wrap up Inside Twins next on your home for Twins Baseball. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's our final segment of Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis back with Rocco Baldelli, Twins and the Guardians. Rubber game coming up in just a bit. Joe Ryan today for the Twins and Cal Quantrill opposing for Cleveland. Alex Kirilov, Rock, is back with the Twins, a guy we didn't see up until uh, yesterday with the, with the uh, big league club this season. From what you heard from not just the coaching staff in St. Paul, but from the medical staff, how much of Alex and his swing is reminiscent of the guy that you first saw a couple of years ago? Well, I think he's finally at the point where he feels good. And what I mean by that is he's healthy, he can hit the ball hard, he can turn on the ball. Everything I heard was was very positive. And then the I like it when the the numbers and you know all of that effort and th- and stuff you're talking about the subjective stuff actually turns into you know good swings and and some homers and some uh, well struck baseballs and I think that's where he's at right now and he's worked uh, we know very hard it's been very difficult to get to this point but he's made it and he's he's actually figured out I think what he can do and what he maybe can't do or what might irritate him at times so I think he's balanced all of this really well to get back to a spot where he can be a productive major league hitter because this guy's really talented when he's able to go out there and just play like he can play. Earlier on the show, we touched on the the uh, inconsistency with the offense. Was was the any of, of the, the I guess the reason behind this move at this time done to maybe spark the offense overall to get a guy with a great swing up here? Why not spark the offense? I think that's that's exactly the thought. 
and, and you don't want to put all of that on a young guy who's also coming back from something on the medical side of things. But the truth is, he's a good offensive player. And we think uh, overall, when he's right, he's as good of an offensive player, really, almost as anyone that, that we have. I know Buck's probably, you know, in a different place and Correa is exceptional and all that. But this is a guy that can that can compete and, and uh, fill a spot in the lineup and back some of these guys up in a way that it's tough to find. So I'm looking forward to just getting him out there. He's in the lineup today. Uh, he's had some at-bats off of Quantrill before, and I think he's a good guy to stick right there in the middle and let him go do what he does well. All right, about two minutes left in our Sunday show. Let's uh, close on the guy you have on the mound today and Joe Ryan. The pitching has been the anchor. You've said that for this team 30-plus games in, and Joe's a big part of that, isn't he? Joe's a huge part of that, and we think uh, highly of Joe. This is our opening day starter uh, last year, um, a guy that uh, has been nothing but the model of consistency, pitches you to win every single time, very competitive guy. You know, he's so unique, you know, when you talk to him about off-the-field stuff, you talk to him about on-the-field stuff, he gives you such a different perspective. I love talking to him about the game. Uh, And I think what he brings on the mental side of things actually helps him when he takes the mound. It allows him to stay composed. It allows him to just keep pitching. It allows him to probably think of some thoughts I'm not thinking of at all uh, when he's out there, but he uses all of that to his advantage, uh, and I I love what he's doing right now. And you guys get along and, and probably vibe musically, don't you? Well, there, there are some connections there, and uh, we'll share some music every once in a while. I know his family, uh, I think it's his dad and maybe his uncle, who are uh, pretty big fans of the Grateful Dead up in Northern California, and, and they have some connections with the, with the band, I think, too. So Joe, Joe enjoys some of that. He comes out to you know some music that I like, and uh, I share some music with him every once in a while, too, and he takes it and runs with it. Rock, thanks for your time on this Sunday. Good luck here today. Off day tomorrow, then a fun homestand begins with the Padres and Cubs starting on Tuesday. But go get the win today, and thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Corey. That's Rocco Baldelli, our guest on our Sunday show. It's been Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. We thank you for joining us on this Sunday morning. Much more to come on the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Chris Atterbury standing by with a pregame show momentarily, and then we'll have the third and final game coming up. Joe Ryan and Cal Quantrill, the pitching matchup here today in Cleveland. Thank you so much for joining us. We have much more to come on this Sunday right here on your home for Minnesota Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.